Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. My name is Nick, and I'm uh, the husband of Liesl and the dad of Amo and Gabriel, and... For your enjoyment this morning, I get to open the batting, so to speak, for 2024. Come on. I'm not one for resolutions, but I do recognize the opportunity for a fresh start. Fresh start's a good thing, right? So I'm hoping to bring maybe, for some of you, a fresh perspective on uh, the God that we know and love. My question in preparing for this morning is what could I give you that you could carry into the year that could hold meaning and could be something that you'd hold on to and could mean something for you? for 2024, and hopefully the rest of your lives. I'm not going to give you five tips to make 2024 amazing. I'm not going to tell you to, uh, to read through the Bible in a year uh, or um, to have a consistent quiet time. Those are good things, and you should look at doing that. Um, but what I would like to talk about is how we relate to God as a father. Now, I mentioned my kids um, and one of my kids is exactly like me. It's my daughter. In terms of her temperament, she's just like me. Do you want to see her? I'm not going to ask her to stand. She's in the room, but here's a photo. Isn't she wonderful? Can you see that she's just like me? A little, little different, eh? A little different. I think the only thing that we have in common physically is that we're really short. So Amor doesn't look like me because she was adopted when she was just over a year old. She's not linked to us genetically, but she is us. She is family. I'm her dad, no questions asked. Liesl is her mom, and she is Gabriel's sister. Gabriel would probably be the fiercest, fiercest in claiming Amor to himself. He absolutely adores her. And why is this relevant? Because I'm going to talk today about what adoption, the process, and what it's done, and all of that, has taught me about God, and what God has taught me about our adoption as sons and daughters of, of Him. I'm going to share from our experience, but I'm also going to share from God's Word, because it's really important that that's our touch point, our main touch point. That's our objective truth and reality, right? So our experience is great, and it can teach us stuff, and and, and it's important, but first we go to God's word. So when things are tough and we don't feel close to God, we can hold on to scripture. So, a brief history, very brief. After a couple of years of marriage, um, Ilya and I decided to try and have kids. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen easily, and, we, and after two years, we had conceived. Now, growing up, Liesl and I had both I felt God had placed on our hearts to adopt at some point, you know? And so we liked the idea, we loved the idea. And, uh, and so when we weren't conceiving, Lee came to me and said, well, maybe we need to adopt first. And I, I mean, I was, I was much younger then and, and not, maybe not as wise, and so I had reasons not to. I, for one thing, I felt like I had this promise 
of having a biological son, and, and, and so the timing didn't feel right. Um, but after some discussion and some processing, I just realized I was being silly. And so we, uh, we decided it was the right thing to do, actually, and Lee began to investigate and, and look at how, the house and, and, and what places and that kind of thing that we could go to. Um, and we happened to, we were then connected by my sister to a place called Bethany House in Johannesburg in South Africa. Um, and it's an amazing home. They do really good work, even to this day. But what their process was, was that you kind of express your interest. They then take you through some mandatory training. You can't, you can't adopt them without going through their training. It's called advanced parenting training. And so if you ever want some like, input from an advanced parent, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so you, you, you would go through their training, and then they would allow you to volunteer at the home. So we went through this training, and, uh, and then we volunteered. And it, what they say, in their words, because it's a, it's a Christian home, or a home run by Christians, and they say that you come and meet all the kids and allow God to show you the child that he has for you. All right? Now, before I move on, I need to make a little confession. To my shame, when I agreed to look into adoption, I had some conditions. So, I, I, and I understand that most of my conditions were pretty ignorant, um, but I, I thought that if we got a baby as young as possible, Um, there we go, I'm back. Okay, so I, wanted, I thought that if we got a baby as young as possible, then it, had the, the, it would be the easiest then to integrate the baby into, the, into our family. All right? The second thing I wanted was a straight... Should we change? Can you hear me? Okay, this just means I can only use one of my hands. Um, so I wanted a straight, simple adoption because I didn't think that I could deal with the possibility of a child being taken from us after the fact. And then my third condition was that I wanted a boy because I thought it would be easier. It would be something that I knew. But that's naive, right? Because I don't think any parents know what they're doing until they've done it. Liesl had no conditions, except maybe for a preference for a girl. So volunteering... This volunteering was a crazy, crazy experience, right? So we, we were taken into this home. We came in through the kitchen and, and through a little room where the, some of the babies were asleep and into this kind of lounge and garden area where there were about 30 children from the ages of less than one to six. That's 30 children under the age of six. Is the mic okay? Is it just me? Okay, it's just me. Understandably, these are ch children that have been removed from their families or orphaned in some way. Um, and so they were, they were all desperate for attention. It was intense. And for us especially so, because we're considering, like, looking at all of these kids, trying to understand, like, what God is showing us. In all the chaos, we're hoping to find some kind of indication that this is the right child. This one here, out of all of this, this one here. What was God showing us? Now, at some point in the day, I'd gone to the kitchen, and in coming back from the kitchen through that room where the sleeping kids were, uh, I, I looked down, and I saw this little one had stood up in her cot, holding onto the side of the cot, looking up at me. And I looked down, and I saw 
this beautiful little afro and this perfect, you know, set of perfectly round little lips. And I said, you are cute. That's something I say to this day. And, uh, and I picked her up and took her through to Liesl in the lounge. Amokhelang was her name. And she, she took to Liesl quickly and stayed close. Whenever we, we tried to kind of share our attention with anybody, any of the other kids, uh, Amor would crawl right back to us, climbing over the other kids and pushing them aside. She needed to get in there. And I, I think that maybe she just joyed our attentions, but I believe that she had already chosen us. On the trip home, Lee and I chatted, chatted it through, and, and it was clear to both of us that only that little Amokhilang had made an impression on us. Liesl, Liesl was sold out. Like, I was thinking, oh, impression, impression, you know, I was being cautious, maybe, maybe. But Liesl was done. She knew. And so we decided that when we visited the following week, we would, we would go and spend some time with her in particular and get to know her. When we arrived the following week, we couldn't find Amo anywhere. And after a little while, Liesl spotted her, like, towards the back of the playground in the arms of a woman who we thought was Amor's mom. <laughs> Forgive me, but I was devastated. In South Africa, if there's a chance of reconciliation with a family, then they'll favor that over adoption. And so we thought that our chance was gone. I was gutted, 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 gutted. But it turned out the lady holding Amor was just another volunteer. Even after I know the truth, I was so deeply affected. After I knew the truth, sorry. I literally, and I mean literally, literally, not literally figuratively, I literally sulked the rest of the day. And I, I still don't quite know why, but it's like I didn't know what to do with the idea of losing Amor. We had met her once before, and I didn't know, I, I, I couldn't, I felt this, I had this deep sense that I couldn't lose her. It was obvious that while I was playing it cool the week before, something deep had happened in my heart. From then on, we visited Amor often. She, uh, she was in the home, but, and we lived about uh, 65 kilometers away, so every two or three days we would drive a 130-kilometer round trip to visit her. Um, we would we'd pop in at the home, take her out for the day and do something cool, and then take her home again. We were able to do that for Christmas Day of, of 2009 as well, and it was, it was such a great day. But on Christmas Day, we also realized that there was this funny little pattern developing, and that when we would get to the home, to take her from the home, to take her from the house mothers, she would get upset and she would cry, like she wouldn't want to leave them. And we would take her and, and she would get over it and we'd spend the day with her, and we would take her back and she would cry to leave us. Like, so every time we collected her or dropped her off, there was this like, Difficult moment for her. You can understand for this little 14-month-old girl how confusing it must have been. And so after Christmas, in consultation with the social workers, we decided to stop with those day visits and rather push to, to place her in, in foster care with us. And so, on January 6th, 2010, Amor came home with us. And she's been with us ever since. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't get a boy. Amor wasn't a baby baby. She wasn't little, little. Um, 
and we had to foster her first. So there was that chance that she get, could be removed for some reason. Now, Lisa likes to remind me that it's because she's God's favorite, <laughs> that I didn't get what I wanted. But actually, I think it's because Amor is God's favorite. And while we felt from the beginning that Amor was ours, it was in coming home that that bonding began to happen in earnest, like for real. Okay? Um, and that, that, that was cool for Liesl. Because what happens with an adopted child is when they come into a home, they need to establish a primary bond first. And so that happened with Liesl, but I was like just some guy in the house. Like Amor had no time for me. Um, and it was right, but it wasn't great for my ego. Um, so as difficult as it was, because, I mean, I had this huge sense of love for, for this little thing, and all I wanted was some of that back, you know, like, but she wasn't there yet. And, uh, but, you know, the good news is that slowly but surely she came around, and she realized how wonderful I am. <laughs> so it took a while for us to bond, but once we overcame that hurdle, we haven't looked back. She's a wonderful, wonderful girl, and I'm very proud of her. So it wasn't too long then, so understanding that we had, we, had fostered, we had to foster her first. It wasn't long that we, we decided to push for the adoption. And there was a fair amount of uncertainty, of, of uncertainty around the family situation, and it, it was indicated to us that it might be difficult to adopt. But we had this, this amazing moment where we realized, like, if you, if you have biological children, you, you kind of do whatever you can to make sure that thing happens, right? Like you, everybody wants a happy, healthy baby, right? And so you do whatever you can to have that healthy baby. So for us, we realized adoption is no different. We needed to do whatever we could to make sure that baby came into our home. So what you might do with a, when, you, when you fall pregnant is endure some, I believe it's the, the mom endures some you know, discomfort when, they, when she's pregnant. Um, you might change the way that you live. You might eat differently. You might go for scans and go to doctors and choose hospitals. We had to pay a price as well. Not quite the same, but there was a price to be paid. In our heart, Amor was ours. So if it meant hiring lawyers or going to court or doing mounds and mounds of paperwork, we would do it. And so we began the process. And these moments are, are tricky when you think about them because... You, you, it's easy to go to like a worst-case scenario. What if something goes wrong? But by God's grace, the whole process was smooth and problem-free. By the end of 2010, the adoption was wrapped up, paperwork and all. Done. Amor was officially, legally, heart and soul ours. And I, I don't know if you understand, maybe this is obvious, maybe it's not, but like from that day one, Amor was our child. Like the, 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 the legal side is a, is a formality, right? But we needed to have that done. Now, Amor is 15 years old, which means as of January 6th, she's been with us for 14 years. How wonderful is that, eh? She's a wonderful daughter. She's strong, level-headed, well-adjusted. She's beautiful inside and out. And uh, she's got a wicked little sense of humor on the side. I hope you get to enjoy that one day. Amor, I know you're in the room, but just know, my girl, that you make me immensely proud. Mom and Dad are really proud of you. So now, having heard our story, what does the word say? 
Do you have your Bibles? Maybe on your phone or even like analog, old school? Open them up for me, please, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1. All right, are you all there? You're looking at me like you're there. All right, cool. So, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, sorry, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now there's a lot going on there. It's an amazing passage of, passage of scripture. But I'm going to look at five things that that passage teaches us about God. All right, number one. From verse four, we see that God chose. In the adop- uh, sorry, God chose us. In adopting, Lee and I had a lot of choice. A lot more choice than you might have when you have kids biologically, right? Because you just kind of decide to do something and then you have kids. With adoption, you can kind of choose when and where. You can choose race and gender and age. You can even choose whether you want a healthy or an unhealthy baby. You know that there are people, I don't know if it happens here, but back in South Africa, there were people that will specifically go and take in sick children and care for them. It has always struck me that having filtered through all those possibilities, I'm always the one that was chosen. Our perfect choice. We had the luxury of saying, this is the child we want and no others. Imagine what that means to her. Now, cho- choice is an interesting thing, right? Because it speaks of, or there's kind of two things, that, or two components with choice. One is power. And the other is desirability. So I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. This week, we, we bought a little car. We bought a little Honda Jazz. Now, we, we bought that car from the BMW dealership in the city. Now, I don't know if you've been there, but that place is stacked with amazing cars. Now, we, we can't afford amazing cars. The only car that we could buy from that dealership was that little Honda Jazz. We didn't really have choice, all right? So desirability didn't come in. We couldn't get what we wanted. We had to get what we could get with the power that we had, right? Now, imagine the scope of God's choice. 
this all-powerful God that we serve? How can he choose? Presumably, God can do whatever he wants. Within his character, of course. And if he could have done anything, then what matters is his desire. What did he want? Having, if he could do anything, then it is super meaningful what he chooses to do. So he could have made purple pumpkins from Pluto, the object of his, of his affection, but he chose us. So with all the power God had to choose, he chose each of you. That's an amazing thing. Now you think for a moment what that means to you. Number two, we are chosen to be part of God's family. So the choosing is cool, but it's equally cool that we're chosen to be part of the family. Because there's, there, there, there are times where, I mean, we, we make choices all day, every day, right? And, and most of them are probably of no consequence. Like, do you want to eat a burger or have a pizza? Do you want to wear brown shoes or black shoes? Like, those choices don't really matter. But God's choice here does. Because he doesn't choose us to be his slaves, he doesn't choose us to be his employees. He chooses us to be his family. At the risk of sounding irreverent, he's our dad. And we are his kids. And this is no run-of-the-mill family. You, you may have noticed, if you look around the room, this is your family. This is a family with the only perfect dad ever to exist. A dad with a real and true purpose and plan for his kids. A dad who has opportunities lined up, who has resources to give, who has an unimaginably huge well of love for us. A dad that includes us in what he's doing. So if you've read Revelation, there's a part that says, I can't remember, the, I think it's 13. He says, and they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, that's always struck me because could, could Jesus have overcome the enemy on his own, in his own power? Absolutely. No problem. But it says that he, he adds in there the, the, the word of his testimony. So he includes us in the redemption of the world. Isn't that incredible? Of all the things that little Amor needed, Family was the top of that list. At, at one years old, you could, you could give her a house and a career and Air Jordans or whatever, but at one years old, she didn't need any of that. She needed a family. In the scheme of eternity, the things of this life are inconsequential. What we really need is to be in God's family. We're just like Amor. Number three, there was a price to be paid. At first, like I said, Amor's uh, adoption status wasn't clear to us, but we had decided that we would pay any price necessary to see her come home. Adoption through Christ is the same. It's interesting because Romans 5 refers to salvation as a free gift. And it is for you, but it wasn't free for everybody. 
there was still a cost. You just didn't have to pay it. The passage tells us that we have redemption through his blood. Jesus' blood. You know what redemption means? Redemption is the price paid for something that was lost. Jesus paid in blood and suffering and death to bring us into God's family. I want to read Isaiah 53. It's on my phone though, in my bag, in the side pocket there. Sorry. You got it there. Cool. Thank you. Okay, it says this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the price. The iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. This man, Jesus, who never set his foot wrong, paid a price for us all. He took on the iniquity of us all. It's a price we cannot quantify. We cannot begin to think of quantifying. But it was costly. And if it, was, if it wasn't so costly, why would we need the riches of his grace? Number four, there is an abundance of blessing waiting for his children. And depending on your context, that word blessing could mean a couple of things. I'm not talking about material gain. This is the, the, the blessing of being a child of God. It's real stuff. If not for her adoption, Amor's life would probably have been very, very different. Instead, she has a loving mom and dad, a doting little brother, a home in which she has known the love and closeness of Jesus, communities that have embraced and supported her. The problem is that when you only know what you know, it's difficult to consider what something else might be like. Does that make sense? Life of, away from God is like that. Without God, you might think that the world is just the way it is and you've got to live with it. Or be miserable. I don't know. The problem then is that you miss out on the wonders of those blessings. Once you've been brought in, once you've understood the salvation of Jesus and, and bowed your knee to him, then you begin to see it. Love, provision, peace, community, strength, patience, endurance. I could go on and on. But God has an abundance waiting for those who would choose him. Number five, there is proof, a guarantee of your new status as a child of God. And that is the 
Holy Spirit. So, so like it's, an, it's an amazing thing. Like God brings us into his family, and then to prove it, he gives us himself as the Holy Spirit to live with and be with every day, every moment. Like it's lavish. It's, it's, it's almost over the top. Tim Keller wrote a book called The Prodigal God, and it was a, a bit of a spin on the, son, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, apologies if you don't know the story, but we always talk of the prodigal son who was wasteful and flagrant with his inheritance. Tim Keller says, actually, it's, it's God who was wasteful and reckless in allowing the son to still come back after he had been so silly. So God is lavish. He's, he's given us himself. I can't tell you how ecstatic we were when the paperwork came through to show that we were our most parents. Her ID book, her ID document says, uh, you know, I think it's Amor's name first and then her two parents' names, and those are our names. Once we had that, no one could argue. I used to get so scared. Like, I would walk through the, the mall with Amor when she was little and always think, what would I do if someone thought I was kidnapping Amor? Because it's not obvious that I was a dad, you know? But when that paperwork came through, that was our seal, that was our guarantee. In the, in the book, um, oh, what's it called? Ben-Hur. Uh, it's about a, this Jewish boy who, who gets uh, sent to the galleys and, and meets an important Roman who, who ends up adopting him as his son. And it's an amazing picture because under Roman law, it's, it's like a, an adopted child had more rights than a biological child. So it's amazing. Um, and so it was harder to disown a bio, uh, an adopted child than it was to disown a biological child. But anyway, so this was our seal. This is our guarantee that Amor was our child. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we are children of God. But that, that may seem like, oh, what does that mean? Like, what does it look like? like can, can you show me? Where's the document? The presence and activity of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives is that guarantee. And that, that may still seem nebulous, but it's, it's so key. You can, you can experience this in many, many ways if you're willing to look. Okay? It might just be an inclination towards God where there was none before. So maybe, maybe you're newly saved and now all of a sudden every day you, you have thoughts of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It could be a, a strong sense of, what's, of, of, a, of the right thing to do at work. It could be a feeling of comfort when you hear bad news. It could be something miraculous that you prayed for. Maybe somebody got healed. I've seen that. The Holy Spirit is with us every moment of every day to lead and to guide and to comfort. That's our guarantee. If you experience God in your life, even in the smallest way, rejoice. It is proof that you've been adopted into his family. Earlier on I said that, that Amor had chosen us. And, and you might say, oh, come on. Like really, she was one. But God did something in her heart in that moment. And she crawled into our arms and into our hearts. If you're here today, you've heard the truth of God's word. And you're in a similar position to Amor. What will you do? You could leave, disaffected, and carry on the way you were. Or you could crawl into the arms of your loving, heavenly Father. He has chosen you 
to be part of his family. He paid the price necessary to do it. That you might know the abundant blessings of his love. And prove it to you by giving, him, giving you his Holy Spirit. What will you do? There are others of you who are already Christians. You've already given yourself to Jesus in some way, in some place. But people do come to Jesus in different ways and for different reasons. Perhaps you've not heard of adoption. Or maybe it's not meant anything to you before. But if you've been moved by the truth of God's word today, and something in our story maybe has touched your heart, maybe it's time to meet with your Father. Not just God, not just Savior, Father. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whānau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.